0: Today is September 20th, 2020. Welcome to Common Ground. The sermon series we are in is called Living in the Moment. This sermon is called On God and Giving Up. And the speaker is Chris Romine. Enjoy. And now we have our scripture reading which is coming from uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had killed all Baal's prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this message. May the gods do whatever they want to me. If by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like the life of one of them, pray that you won't give in to temptation." Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life. He arrived at Beersheba and Judah and left his assistant there. He himself went farther on into the desert a day's journey. He finally sat down under a solitary broom bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Then suddenly a messenger tapped him and said, get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked on glowing coals and a jar of water right by his head. He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said, eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate and drank, and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord's word came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said, go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is passing by. A very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound, thin, quiet. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat. He went out and stood at the cave's entrance a voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they want to take my life too the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks be to God. Well, welcome everybody. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to be with you. Um, And uh, I want to follow up on a conversation that we had last week. Uh, Last week, as it was the first Sunday back from um, the summer Churches, Common Ground included, tend to do a check-in, a temperature check, a sort of re-articulation of the purpose. Why are we here? Why did we start? Um, Where do we hope to go? Um, These things sometimes happen uh, around fall and then uh, around New Year, um, especially when people recommit themselves, uh, even if just for a small season, uh, back into the church. Usually it's their parents nagging them to to get back into the church, and so uh, they make a, a commitment and then uh, we get to tell them what we're doing, and they get to say great. And then, like a month later, uh, the commitment falls off if it's anything like my commitment to go back to the gym. Uh, but in the fall, uh, in the fall, we wanted to say last week, this is what, this is why we started a year or two ago, a year ago. Um, this is why we are um, continuing forward, and this is what we want to be about. Uh, I shared, and I'll just, uh, I'll just sort of sum it up briefly. I shared that um, that in the midst of Of tumult, in the midst of despair, it is important uh, that we are people that hold each other um, and suffer with one another, Uh, that in our own commitment to community, that that actually is a hope that we may find, that our commitment to each other might reflect, might show God to those who are suffering around us and in our midst and ourselves, that others might reflect God back to us. Um, I said that and particularly named a, a, a named a particularly a few things. Number one, the fact that a lot of uh, people who I care deeply for are in the California area, particularly in the Bay area. Um, and there's just fires all around. It looks apocalyptic out there. Um, there's a lot of people who are struggling right now. As a result, the earth is struggling. She is pained. Uh, she is groaning under the weight of our uh, irresponsibility. And, uh, I also named the fact that it was two days after September eleventh something I remember very vividly as I watched the towers the second tower fall. I was a senior in high school. I don't know if that ages me a little bit since some of y'all were like in elementary school, but I was a senior in high school right over here in new jersey and um and it was a terrifying day we I know people who um, who pa- who had family members who passed my nephews named after uh, my brother in-law's best friend who who died who was part of one of the ladders. So this is something that hits home and that, you know, like even right now, as I talk about, it, I have a visceral uh, uh, reaction to it, right? Like it, it will affect me for the rest of my life. And so what do we do when all of this stuff, whether it be memories or whether it be the earth that's, 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 that's crying out right now, whether it be trauma, whether it be our mental health uh, towards depression or so- something else, or all of the above, uh, political turmoil right now and domestically, what, what, do, we, what do we do? Um, and what I didn't want to do last week um, is really just point to the fact that God is going to fix it. Um, I actually believe that uh, I hope towards reconciliation. I pray towards renewal. I pray towards the reconciliation of all things, as Colossians talks about. Um, but it's hard when things uh, hit the fan, right? And, and I, I, I don't think that we're a community that will always sit in grief. But I also don't think we're a community that will smile and tie it up in a bow, you know, take you from grief to like, oh, the world is perfectly fine in a 25-minute sermon or 30-minute sermon. I think we really need to sit in the reality and the weight of things that are happening around us. Um, there are often times when we go, I think that's where I see God. And there are often times where we're like, I can't see God anywhere. Not, I can't hear God in me. I don't see God out in the world. Nothing is going well. And all of those experiences are valid completely valid like let us not skate over them or or brush over them with a cheap hope or a hope that doesn't validate the feelings or acknowledge the feelings or sort of point to the reality that you as a sibling might be seeing around you and so last week's um encouragement though it might not have sound encouraging was uh was suffer together as a, new, as a brand new community at Common Ground, there are a number of times when we will just need someone to sit with us uh, when there's suffering going on, uh, not to sum it up, not to tie it up, not to fix it, just to, just to be with us. And we looked at how Jesus uh, was, all Jesus was doing was asking for this uh, in his final moments on the Mount of Olives or the Garden of Gethsemane, depending on which gospel that you read, because they, they actually tell two different stories. But he was going back to his, the, the child of God, uh, fully divine and fully human, crying out to, uh, to, to God, the parent, saying, please take this cup from me. Uh, but if the cup is not meant to be taken, let will be done. And then went back to his friends and said, please stay awake. This is a tough moment for me. Uh, not pick up your swords and fight. There's a fight coming. Not be on the watch because um, we're about to start a war. Uh, not, you got to smuggle me out of this garden. Just sit with me right now in a difficult moment. I didn't actually intend. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that today's uh, uh, conversation all, the, all, all, the, all too well connects to last week's. Uh, today's, today's conversation is about one of my favorite prophets, Elijah. Uh, now, if y'all have read your Bibles, which it's this is the parts in First Kings and Second Kings, um, and if if you ever try to do the Bible in a year, these are usually the parts when you like skip over or you give up um, because they're 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 not always fun if you try to just blow through the Bible in a year or you just read them without seeing the contours of the story. Um, but when the contours open up, it's again like a bottle of wine. It's it's it it just shows you all sorts of detail and the bible is just simply a collection of stories a story stories that we've revised like constantly over time we've rewritten we've said god's over here and then maybe 500 years later we see a manuscript that says oh no god was over there in the story we're just constantly sort of adding to and subtracting and editing these things um, and the bible is what gives those of us who are in the jesus tradition a uh, sort of look into what has been um the people what the people of god have been trying to do for the last whatever, several thousand years in finding this God, right? And naming this God and seeing this God. And Elijah is one of my favorite prophets, uh, not least because uh, his mental health struggles are clear um, and not least because um, in this story, he's giving up. Uh, I actually am going to pull these, these, these uh, hold on. I'm going to pull these up for you so that we can go back through them, but we're in first Kings 19 and up here where it says Ahab, Ahab's the king, tells Jezebel that Elijah had just had this epic, like go back and read it, First Kings 18, 17, 18, this epic battle, whether it happened or not, it's a great story, right? Elijah gets all of Baal's prophets, gets all of Judea's prophets to this, this same valley and says, show me your gods. Show me, show me the gods that you serve. I'll show you mine. And it was this like divine battle. Uh, conveniently uh, Yahweh won, Elijah won, and all of the prophets uh, of Baal were slaughtered, right? So this culmination of this story where the people of God, the person of God, the prophet of God, the only prophet of God of that moment, Elijah, wins, right? Like just absolutely slays the enemies, right? This is this is the one part where we can go uh, to sort of like evangelical uh, sermon and be like, we won, like, this is our God. And then break it, you know, have an altar call and break into a crescendo. This is the moment, right? Except you turn the page and we get to 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19 and Ahab tells Jezebel, who's like the mortal enemy enemy of Elijah. And, and Jezebel's like, okay, cool. Like now I am going to kill this guy. Right? So Elijah's going, what, what gives? Like, I just, I just won. I just, I just sort of did the thing. God was just proven to exist against all of this idolatry. And yet I am now on the run. And so what does Elijah do? Elijah stands up with the courage of God and stands in his convictions. And he says, you shall not pass. No, none of that happened. Elijah is terrified. He runs for his life. He runs off uh, into a, a, a cave in the desert. And he literally sits under a tree and says, I'm done. He Look at verse four. He longed for his death. It is more than enough, God. Take my life because I'm not better than my aunt. Stop putting this crap on me. And he lay down in sleep with the hope of dying. So trollish God wakes Elijah up and says, eat something. Trollish, beautiful, nourishing God brings uh, an angel of God, brings Elijah something to eat. And Elijah opened his eyes to flatbread. (laughs) I I love the modern translations, right? These are why words are constantly changing. It was probably something else, unleavened bread, but now it's like a, you know, like it's an artisan flatbread. It probably had fig and feta. And so Elijah starts to eat. The messenger again, once again, wakes Elijah up and tells Elijah to eat. And then tells Elijah to go to Horeb, God's mountain. Now don't miss the significance of this. This is where God promised Moses and Israel that God would cut a covenant with them and be with them forever. Right? This is the part where God, this is the place where God said, where God revealed God's self to Moses and said, I will be your God, you will be my people forever. And here are the ways I would like you to live. And apparently we messed up the first 10 commandments. Who knows what they said? Cause they broke when we started worshiping idols within like a few hours. And then we cut a new 10 commandments uh, or 10 utterances. Some, some people call it. And that's what we know as the 10 commandments today, right? This is the mountain that this happened on. And so of all the things that God can say, when Elijah is ready to die and sitting under a tree God asks the question, why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah replies how I would reply. Uh, Perhaps a little bit, he was a little bit more generous, but I have been fighting a holy battle against everyone who wants to kill me passionately on your behalf. And I'm the only one left and I'm in a cave right now. And everyone wants to take my life. And the Lord says, go stand at the mountain because I'm going to pass before you like the Lord did, like God did with Moses. Now, this is a beautiful moment. Uh, this is one of my favorite verses. Uh, if you all have been going to church for years, you've probably heard it. But a very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound, thin, quiet. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat. He went out and stood at the cave's entrance, and the voice came to him again and said, why are you here, Elijah? Uh, And he said, I've been, again, exact same answer. I've been passionate for you, God. Um, And everybody who I feel like is also supposed to be passionate for you have abandoned you and have abandoned me. And now, actually, my life is at threat. And what Elijah is doing here is saying, just take my life, God. Take my life. I'm done doing this work. Elijah is one of my favorite prophets because of this when we talk about the people of God, how we're supposed to be the people of God today, and who the people of God were in scripture, in these biblical stories, we don't ever talk about the fact that they are sometimes begging for their life to be taken away because of how miserable the situations and the conditions are around them. And they are so done with God that they're even begging God to do If you exist, can you show up and can you show me that you're here by just wiping me out because I'm done doing this dirty work for you? If this dirty work means that I end up in a cave, hungry, willing myself to death because I'm completely exhausted, angry, tired, and scared, then what is it the purpose of to serve you? Like, what, what, is, this, what is this that we're doing for you, God, if at the end of the day... Ahab has his way, and Jezebel has her way, and all around us, we see injustice. If God were to show up to me when I sat under a tree and said, I'm done, and God were to ask, why are you here, Chris? I, I would have a few choice words before I answered that question. Like, why did you put me here? Where, why was I born in this time? Why was I born in this body? Why was I born under these conditions? What was I born into that could have actually been a little bit better um, under uh, a different situation in a different time, et cetera, et cetera. The reality of Chris Romine is someone who constantly struggles to see where God is, who constantly questions if God's covenant that God made through Jesus the Christ and or through Moses on the Mount Horeb, and or through Elijah here, is actually a God that's active in the world right now. And if that God is active in the world right now through all this tumult, I'm not seeing it very well. And often, the story of Chris Romine is when you pair my trauma and abuse and my... uh, and my Ariesness and my eightness and my, you know, general angst and, and this world and my mental health issues of depression that I struggle with. This doesn't make for like a prophet of God ready to go forward and just say, you shall not pass. Right. This is not, this is not, this does not make a good alchemy of God's people, um, of God's pastor. Um, of one of God's pastor, of one of God's church planters. This just makes me another person who says, I don't know if I want to do this much longer. And I don't see much of you, God. So I struggle. I struggle a lot through this. And when I said last week that we need to suffer together, I was not anticipating another layer of suffering to come our way this time. As we look at the reality of what the Supreme Court could mean. I don't, I, don't, I don't say this as a partisan, I am not happy with the Democratic uh, National Convention, I'm not happy with the DNC, but if we make the Supreme Court in the image of what the powers are right now, that is a big problem for women making decisions about their bodies, immigrants actually receiving citizenship in a country that they desperately need, and the one in which, if they're not granted citizenship, they either live in a terribly uh, 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 preposterous predicament, or they may die if they go home. It is a place where trans rights may not, will likely not be granted. It is a place where our health care actually might be cast down. Now, health care is not a political issue. healthcare is an economic issue. Life-giving issue, and as Christians, if we don't think that that healthcare should be granted to all of us, we are not—we are missing the ethics of God, where all need to be taken care of in body and in spirit. Let us not ignore the body. And so, if we are ones who need healthcare from another entity, and that entity is telling us you may need to have a permanent job and still pay seven, eight thousand dollars on top of that, I have a problem with that entity whether it's Donald Trump, Obama, or anybody else, that is an entity that I look on and go, God, are you here? Because the bodies of people who need joy and peace and health are at threat as a result of this decision. And then you add all the mental health issues that I have, and it makes me wanna sit under a tree and give up. And then I have to show up on Sunday and be like, I don't know. What do I say? In fact, this entire Sunday that my our, our, uh, because Sarah and Lance and Chantilly you'll see are playing the videos because my Wi-Fi just decided to drop from like 10 at the best opportune times from like 1030 to like 1059. Just no Wi-Fi. Maybe not going to preach. Maybe not even going to be able to on the call. Like it, it is sorts of little things add up when the big things are a problem. Are you are you with me? Right? Like you stub your toe and sometimes you laugh about it or you stub your toe and that's like the final straw and you're looking for your Elijah tree to sit under. <laughs> Friends, we do, we do need to suffer together. As a new community of people who hope together towards renewal, we need to acknowledge the things that are not renewing us and the world and me and you individually. Right? But the story of Elijah is one that really sticks with me because as self as righteous as righteously indignant or self-righteous depending on how healthy I am in the moment I can get about what's happening in the world. I desperately need and desire for God to show up in a gentle thin whisper in my life when clanging cymbals all around me are communicating nothing but death and threat and despair. What makes me a Christian is that I'm not done yet believing that God is actually done with this world or this country or me or this church or this faith, etc., and that even though everything from a storm to a fire to a loud wind around me is screaming to let me know that God maybe isn't around in the formula, the scripture itself says, yeah, God wasn't in that. It was powerful, but God actually didn't need to show up with the loudest voice. God didn't need to show up with the most power. God didn't need to prove God's self to Elijah. God did need to show up with Elijah and in Elijah. But God didn't need to come down to earth, sort of drop a chair, drop a throne, sit on it and say, I'm the loudest thing out here right now. Y'all are going to hear from me. If there's anything that the Elijah story shows me, is that I may need to look more for God's gentle whisper of good news through the Holy Spirit when there's storms and wind and fire and all bad news around. I also need a God who doesn't scold me when I sit under a tree to give up, which is very close to where Chris has been for the last six months. And so let no one who comes in the name of God scold you for sitting and finding a tree when you're ready to give up and say, I don't hear God. Let us be people who are gentle with one another as God's voice was gentle with Elijah and will be gentle with me and will be gentle with you in your most vulnerable, triggered, traumatic moments. In fact, as someone who struggles with mental health, <laughs> with depression, I the last thing that I want is a storm, even if it's God's storm. Like right, like it, it, people who have had trauma from touch uh, don't always love to be touched. That's why hugging, any sort of touch, should be consensual. Should be asked in advance, etc. Because the body, when taken advantage of, needs parameters and needs boundaries to communicate safety and Elijah as he's exhausted sitting under this tree just needs the peace of God even if to Elijah that looks right now like giving up friends if you're in that position right now I could relate to you I won't even tell you not to give up uh I'm not asking you to tell me to not give up. What I am asking is that we can build some form of community that builds practices toward justice that work together and collaboratively to hear the whisper of God. Because we too, friends, can be the loud storm where God is not. We too can be the storm and the wind and the clanging symbol that may not have love. That may not be something that God is co-signing because in the midst of chaos and tumult for Elijah's time, God came in a whisper. In closing, if there's anything that I've learned about myself, is that I need to know that God is right here with me before I tell anyone or show up for anyone to let them know where God is. I need to know that God is with me, for me, renewing me, gives a shit about me, will never stop being with me before I can ever say that out loud to anybody else. And have you ever heard, and if if I've been this person in your life, I actually apologize. but have you ever heard someone who just has that energy where you're like, you don't you're you're sort of yelling at me about something that you don't believe yourself. And when that storm, that 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 sort of that sort of that sort of talk, that sort of rhetoric gets so loud, we can't help but wonder, maybe God is not in that. Where is the whisper of the Spirit of God around us? Where is God in our midst in the surprising places? I think we need to be more surprised by the gentle initiations of the Spirit of God around us and what she is doing contra to the fire's not the literal fires, I mean that respectfully, but the fires of Elijah, the storms of Elijah, and the wind of Elijah. Where is the spirit of God whispering us and compelling us forward? I think that's a question that we need to answer. And then maybe as we deal with the mental health that is all across scripture, basically in every one of the prophets, not least Elijah, How does God engage the trauma that we are dealing with right now in a moment in American history where mental health problems are rampant? I talked to my psychologist the other day. I go to therapy every week. My my psychologist said anxiety, stress, depression, it's everywhere right now. So you are not alone, Chris, (laughs) but it is everywhere right now. How does our mental health interact with the whisper? Of God where the spirit is around us I invite us collectively as a new people forming a new people like that people in Acts 2 42 through 47 a people who are waiting on God's spirit to show up and to equip us for practices of justice I invite us as a new community to pay attention to the whisper to create a container to create a common ground to create a place that is as gentle as God's whisper to Elijah so that we might help each other hear the whisper and then communicate it to one another in a way that gives hope in suffering, does not mute the suffering, does not wipe over any sort of mental health stuff that we might be dealing with, but sits in community with folks that are suffering until that whisper carries us to the next stage. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was an incredible human. She is not the first important person to pass in our human history, and she won't be the last. And today, what I'm holding on to is that God's whisper remains. God's whisper was there initiating just peacemaking in a Christian kingdom pre-Ruth, during Ruth's life, through Ruth's life, and after. We certainly have work to do, but let the work be centered on the whisper of God that is gently, thinly, beautifully communicating to us today. Amen.